Hey, everybody, you're kicking it with the homeboys, and we are going live today with someone that Scotty and I follow a lot on social media. We are here with Chris Cobb, and he is a life insurance guy, but he's got a lot of other passions as well. We love following him on social media. I suggest you do the same thing. But without further ado, how are you, Chris? Good to have you, my friend. Man, I am doing amazing, doing amazing. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to uh, dropping some information and having fun with you guys. Well, you've, uh, you're really good at dropping information. We were just talking before we, we started going live here about how I, I've been able to learn from you and how awesome it is that you are spreading this financial literacy and you do it in such an easy way. And you were saying, what, what's your background that you think makes you so good at being able to do that? <laughs> so it's interesting. Uh, so my whole family is actually in education. So if you guys don't follow me yet, uh, like they said, I'm in insurance, annuities, financial services, but I talk about a plethora of things like entrepreneurship, um, finance, real estate. And uh, my niche is trying to explain complex things in 60 seconds. And um, it's very difficult to do, but it's something that I've been doing my whole life because everybody in my family teaches and uh, mostly in elementary school. So uh, the, the adage when it comes to education is always if, if a 10 year old can explain it or you can't explain it to them and they can't understand it, then you don't know what you're talking about. You're a bad teacher. <laughs> so that's what I do um, with my content is try to figure out how can I make some of the most complex things easy enough to where I can explain it to a 10 year old and they get it. And the, the crazy thing about this fellas is that when I got my license, I didn't know what I was doing, but one of the first things I did was I started volunteering at elementary schools. So I was teaching the kids, hey, you know, this is what I do, or at least trying to explain it to them. And if they walk away looking confused, it's like, oh, man, I did a bad job. And so honestly, my pitch, um, the way I do things, I was doing it two or three years before I actually brought it to social media because that's like my sounding board. That's how I test things to make sure that I actually know what I'm talking about. And that it makes sense because if they walk away and said, I'm excited, I'm telling my parents about this and their parents begin to understand it from our conversation, I'm like, okay, I must have did a good job. Well, and that's really the background. Just being a teacher at heart, wanting to make sure that people understand what's out there and, and just give it information. I think that's probably why I like it so well because I read it about a 10-year-old level. Uh, so no, I he's right. <laughs> he, ha he has <laughs> little stick figures. He gets the little stick figures out and shows them. And that you, you have Clint's attention right there. As soon as Legos yeah. come out, he's at full attention. Well, I say that, you know, and I say that jokingly, but it, but it's, it's very truthful. Like every, everyone of our staff here at the office knows that if you send me an email longer than four sentences that I'm not going to read it. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's my attention span. I got, you know, you got four sentences to capture me and you're right. Like on your um, social media stuff and your content, you really capture that quickly and, you know, make it uh, in a way that's very easy for everyone to understand. Well, I think that's, I think that's awesome. All of us experts in these fields, we feel like we have, we have to almost show off how well we know it by using these big terms and explaining it, you know, to show how smart we are instead of the way you do it. You know, what inspired you to do it that way? So you, you obviously tried it with kids and it worked and what inspired you to bring that to the tick to social media? Oh, I'm, I'm very similar to Clint. Um, if you 
giving me too much, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm shutting down. <laughs> I don't want to read too much. Amen. I don't want to think too hard because I'm coming to you to give me the cliff notes. Uh, your, do your eyes glaze so over? Think, your eyes just yeah. glaze over? Or do you look off into the distance? Yeah, so like, I, one of my mentors told me this. He said most people, and this is not like a, a just a, a anecdotal, it's factual. Most people read at around a fifth to sixth grade reading level. Yeah. So for whatever reason, as professionals, you guys have PhDs in real estate, but the people that's buying the real estate in a lot of times are elementary, middle school level when it comes to uh, literacy. Sure. And so when he brought that to my attention, it's like, okay, most people were dealing with life insurance. They are babies. They are, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth graders. And um, that's just how it is because they have found different areas in their life that they want to be masters at. And I have to realize that if I'm going to be the master in insurance, um, the master is not so the master because they know a lot, it's because they can explain and teach and make it easy. And so when I'm talking to the other insurance guys, then yeah, we can talk at a high level or PhD level. But at the end of the day, the people who are consumed and who want to know this stuff, that's not their uh, competency level and nor is it their desire. Like they don't really care to know all the interest rates and the indexes. They just want to know how does it function. And uh, that helped me a lot understanding that, hey, we're all special, we're all unique. And I like my doctor because he's into medicine. I have no desire to study medicine. And I don't want my doctor to be studying law. I want him to know medicine so that when I come to him, he can take care of me. And that's me for insurance. It's like, hey, this is my practice. But when I explain it to people, it needs to be, hey, Chris, you just need to exercise 30 minutes a day. You just need to stretch, even though he knows there's probably millions of other things I need to do. They keep it simple and because it's simple, I can execute. And so that's it. Just trying to make it easy so that people can make decisions. I understand that there's a such thing as paralysis analysis. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to be a part of that. I just want you to be able to walk away with tangible ideas of things that you can do and you know, be able to use it. You need, you need a poster behind you that says the king of kiss. King of kids. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> it's uh I think it's neat the way that you although you're an expert in obviously insurance, life insurance, um, you've got some interesting um uh, ways that you talk about how to sell insurance. You're even helping people kind of understand that your your business, much less just trying to sell people insurance. You want to, seems like you, you're passionate about helping others lift them up to become successful like you, but then you crossed mm -hmm. over into explaining so many basic financial theories, which I think is really cool because instead of just trying to pitch what you do for a living and try to sell, you are out there like literally explaining student loans to kids. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And um, the reason I do that is just because these things are life changing decisions and a lot of us get into them, not knowing what we're, we're getting into. And, um, what's simple is like student loans. I, you, you would assume that everybody knows how it works. I remember being 18 and going to my bursar's office and filling out FAFSA and all these papers. And also I remember graduating and seeing the bill at the end of the, 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 the uh, the four or five years, it was $70,000. So for right. me, I thought I was doing a great thing going to college, doing, uh, you know, doing everything my parents told me to do. Um, I didn't realize that that money I was receiving <laughs> every year, um, it wasn't free. Like, you know, someone has to pay for it and that's me. And I just realized there's so many other 18, 19, 20 year olds who are in a position where they're about to make that decision. And I'm not trying to lure them into or lure them out of it. It's just saying, hey, these are things you need to think about. And if you're going to make that investment, please go in with a plan and please come out 
um, with something that's going to help you make it back. And it, it's simple things like that. I, I did a video recently about revenue and profit. And for entrepreneurs, I mean, if you asked me the definition, I probably could have given it to you. Right. But as I became an entrepreneur, I, I was making money, but I was like, uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. get to keep everything I make. What is this all about? <laughs> and it was the difference between, hey, yes, you made money, but you have staff, you have systems, you have operations. And so that, somebody has to pay for that. And you no longer have a boss, you no longer have um, a manager who, who, who takes the hit, you do. And it's not a bad thing, it's just that we get into, um, like I said, we get into all these engagements not realizing it's a huge difference. And I want people to be educated as they're going into it. But also I want to take the fear away because there's a lot of people who are terrified because they're like, hey, if I make a million, I don't know how to do taxes. It's like, okay, well, that's... It's a problem you'll have to fix, but would you rather have the million first? Great problem. <laughs> Great problem. Great problem. Or not have a million. We see it all the time, um, and we talk about it all the time, the lack of financial literacy, you know, in our country. We, you know, Scotty and I feel like it's a real problem, you know, out there. And we see it uh, not only in just real estate, but uh, you name it, just even the basics. But what what are you seeing um, out there, like, when it comes to when it comes to insurance? Because, you know... I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life and, you know, I still consider myself an idiot when it comes to, um, you know, life insurance. What, what do you see out there like for the general public when it, when it relates to life insurance Are most people very uneducated and, you know, something they just don't think about or, you know, where does everyone, where does everyone stand? What do you see? Uh, mostly uh, miseducation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I think in most middle-class homes, it's not a conversation. I think to most people, at some point, somebody will say, hey, have you thought about getting insurance? You should. And that's about as far as it goes. And um, obviously, you have, uh, most people get it through their employers. And that's the first step. And uh, the thing that we see is uh, there's a lot of seniors who have always just had it through their employers. It was just a thing to do. And now they're headed towards retirement. <clears throat> And some of those benefits are no longer coming with them in retirement. So you have people who are in their 60s and 70s who are now trying to apply for independent insurance. And if you know anything about life insurance, it doesn't get cheaper as you get older. And uh, (laughs) unfortunately for most of us, we don't get healthier as we get older. So uh, it's like us just kicking a can down the road and it's creating a bigger bill in retirement. When if we have initiated the conversation much earlier, it's an easier conversation to have. You get more for less, it's cheaper. Um, because I always tell people, insurance is the thing you want to buy when you don't need it. As yeah. dumb as it sounds, mm-hmm. that's the time to get it. Right. So I just got a new iPad, and iPhone. It's, it's pristine, it's in great shape. That is the time to get Apple Care. <laughs> it's not when you crack the phone and say, hey, Apple, I've dropped it in the water, can you fix it for me? No, they're not going to give it to you. And so a lot of times what we see is most people don't want to have the conversation when they're younger because they're thinking, I don't need it now. But ideally, that's the best time to get it. So it's just shifting people's minds to understand what it is and what it does. And it's just saying that, you know, you get life insurance not because you think you're going to pass away. It's just because there's benefits to it that you will ultimately probably want at some point. And we all are going to pass at some point. Nobody's making it out alive. So 
Hopefully I didn't ruin somebody's day with that. <laughs> well, that's a certainty, my friend. That is, yeah, that's death and taxes. That's right. We're, we're scared. Clint and I are scared of everything. You know, we're suckers for, for you know, insurance. We're, we're scared of everything in this world. And, well, we're know. insured up. Yeah, I mean, we, we every, you name the type of insurance and, and we have it. But but life was one that, that we started with early, um, you know, and there's a lot of folks out there that really believe in, you know, buying term, invest the rest or buying whole, you know, and, and w- I don't want to get into the deep weeds on this because we want to talk about a lot of s- topics on you, but do you have a, just, I'm just curious for myself, to be honest, do you have a preference between the term and invest the rest versus whole life? I Believe it or not, you, you're probably going to hate me. Uh, I don't, I actually have both. Cool. <laughs> I do no. have Whole and IULs, I do have term. Um, I'm conservative a little bit, yeah. So I, I, that's why I like the insurance because I know it's it's a safe place to grow money and it's not going to lose. Um, but at the same time, I am an entrepreneur, so there's a some some level of risk taker in me, and sure. so I, I do. I'm, I'm bullish about the market. I'm bullish about my future. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I get why people buy term because they're saying, "Hey, I can make more money." on my own, which I, I do teach people to be more aggressive and think like that. And um, the reason I use insurance as a savings though, is just because there's ways to save in insurance policies where you have access to the money. So it's more like a, Hey, I'm gonna put it in the bank or I'm gonna put it somewhere else, put it where you're going to get interest and have more benefits. Sure. Um, at the same time, insurance policies on average do five, 6% interest. So this is the way my mind works. If I have an opportunity to make more than five or six percent, take the money, use it, and go go do it. But in the meantime, while I'm looking for those opportunities, how about I sit it somewhere where it's doing that, getting five, six percent? So that's why I have permanent insurance because it's more like a savings and bank account for me. Um, I understand why people want term because they're saying I can make more money, more than five, six percent in real estate or crypto, this and that, which is true. Um, I always tell people to invest in the SME 500, not the S&P 500. SME is reading books, conferences, and figuring out ways that you can go make money. Because historically, the last 20 years, the market has done a 9, 10%. Honestly, you create a business, you go create value, you can make more than 10%. Yeah. Personally, because you have to have the right opportunities. And while you're waiting for that, permanent insurance is a good place you can sit the money and it's making money for you. Uh, but I, I'm not one of those guys who's crazy about term or crazy about this. I just think there's a reason for them both. And personally, I own them both. So that's me. It's all about education. I was telling you guys earlier, advantages, disadvantages. Term, you get more for less. Yeah. Um, but eventually it does end. And if it ends, you, you pretty much lost everything. But you did have peace of mind for those 20 and 30 years. I love uh, it. Permanent, Permanent, you get cash value, you have access, but you get less coverage. So um, if you're just liking the fact that you know you'll never lose your money and you'll always have a death benefit, that's the way to go. But the disadvantage is you pay more for less coverage. Um, but it's just that each is on and what they're looking for. Right. Well, we've got a question, but real quick, I wanted to, to just compliment you. It's really neat when somebody understands something as well as you do. And instead of telling us how great everything is, you actually told us the pros and cons of each. And that's just, it's a, such a nice relief when no somebody doubt. in an industry is actually honest like that and just says it like it is. And we pride ourselves on that with real estate. And so I, that answer was awesome. 
Go ahead, Bryce. To be you honest with you, that's why I was super excited to be with you guys because I watched your content and I was like, "This, these guys are the real estate version of us. It's Love not it. backing people in the corner and saying, hey, you got to do this. It's more like, hey, if you're looking at this, these are the things you should consider. Correct. The pros, the, the disadvantages. But I mean... It, to each is yeah to each their own and there's lots of options and hopefully that you know we're we're balanced we have a lot of money in the the stock market but we're real estate investors we have a lot of money invested in our entrepreneurship and our businesses but uh, Bryce, Bryce you got a question from an audience member yeah Muhammad yeah. said life insurance do you mean health insurance question mark oh well, he does not so, mean that but I'll let him explain <laughs> uh, life insurance is not health insurance. Uh, there are some similarities. There's some functions that uh, you can use to translate, but it's not the same. So one of the things that you can do, use it to translate for is there's something called living benefits that you can get nowadays in life insurance policies. And the way that living benefits works, if someone was to become critical, chronic, or terminally ill and injured, so let's say she, somebody had a heart attack, they had a stroke, they had cancer, kidney failure, those type of things. They can actually use their death benefit while they're still living. Okay. And that is super huge, super huge. And the reason why is because most people would never guess this, but the number one cause for bankruptcy is actually medical bills. I would have guessed that just yeah. because, you know, we manage, you know, almost a thousand homes. And so we see a lot of people's credit reports when they apply for a house. So we see a lot of medical collections on really otherwise healthy, financial, smart people's credit. And it's, you know, I mean, we're talking people who have made great decisions in life and are savers. And, you know, so, so that does not surprise me that medical can hit anybody. So you have a follow up, Bryce? Uh, different, different question. Okay. If we want to move on, sure, sure. Um, Drew, so asked, real quickly, I want to add to it. Yeah, that yeah go is, ahead. Um, part of my story because my dad was an engineer. He he worked fifty, sixty hours a, uh, a week, and then he had kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those guys that's a product of seeing somebody who's the breadwinner making all the money, and then boom, you're a disability going to dialysis two or three times a week. And we didn't have one of those type of policies. And obviously, it's not going to bring somebody back to health, but to be in a situation where you can have money coming in monthly, yearly, or just, you know, be able to not worry about that part of it is huge. But for whatever reason, health is one of those things that we don't think about. And if somebody lives the next 20, 30 years, literally the biggest thing, the more likely thing to affect your wealth is probably something medically going wrong. And so that's one of those aspects that uh, we educate and teach people. Um, even if you're not a big life insurance person, that is one of the things you definitely want to have in your portfolio because you want to make sure you protect against that. So I um, just want to share that tidbit. Sorry. Do you know, <laughs> the, do you know the story about uh, Greg Luginis and the, uh, the life benefit? Do you know about this? Um, no, no, diver? please. Yeah. The, the diver. So mm -hmm. he um, helped really, really advertise the idea of the life benefit that comes along with a lot of life insurance. And like you said, it's a, it's a really neat product where if you're living and you get sick, what a great thing to have where you can basically kind of cash in your life insurance early and use it while you're alive to, to get through this and help your family. And Greg Luganis um, took it on. And this was in the 1980s. He was one of the big advertisers and then HIV came out. And so suddenly they, all these companies went bankrupt that had the, uh, the life benefit because there was, there was all these people getting sick and living forever mm -hmm. instead of, 
And so it changed that whole industry. There's this whole special on this and, and only a dork like me who likes the nitty gritty behind the details on finances, or maybe you, you should, you should look at the documentary. It's really fascinating about the creation of the life benefit in the insurance industry and how it almost failed when they first tried, tried to create it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Telling you, Scotty's got all these nuggets of info. Greg, Greg Luganus, he was an Olympic diver he, he back Olympic in the eighties, I think late eighties, yep. right? really popular mm-hmm. and, and, and then a certain, you know, disease will come along and, and obviously the actuaries didn't calculate that in because it didn't exist and it almost yeah. sunk the idea of the life benefit. Yeah. There's, That's how it was uh, a couple of years ago with COVID. They, uh, yeah, they didn't, really, they didn't suspend it, but a lot of the insurance companies were very nervous. Um, underwriting got a little tighter because it's new. We don't know how long it's going to linger. We don't know if there's long-term effects. So, right. um, yeah, that's very interesting. I got it down. I can't wait to actually check that one out. Yeah. Bryce, fire away. Why don't we get another question? Drew asked what an equity fund is. An equity fund. Well, that uh, yeah, I don't know what he means exactly there. Um, I'm not sure either. Yeah. Um, I mean, equi- the, the terms basically mean a, a group of money. An equity fund would be um, a pooling of money that traditionally an equity fund is something that is pooled money that someone else manages and they make a management fee on it. So um, that's, that's basically what those terms mean. But I don't know how they would apply really. Um, you know, equity funds, we, we always say we're not big fans of of those those types of investments because the management is it's other people's money and they yeah, like to that's charge more fees along and, the line of, yeah. of REITs real real estate investment trust yeah, uh, but you know what I mean equity you know equities also you know re- refer to you know individual investments right you know that that could be you know pooled together in the shape of one um, investment but I mean it could it could mean a, a lot of things as far as um, you know, our individual real estate and, you know, um, insurance discussions. It- one, one way it would apply is this house hack. And I'm just going to share a house hack that you could, it's kind of like a mini version of an equity fund. And it's what I did in my twenties. I got together three of my friends and we pooled our money to, to purchase a house and we were broke and couldn't have afforded houses on our own. And I mean, I guess technically that could be considered an equity fund, but it's, that's a neat little hack on one. Uh, that was more equity fun. That was equity fun. To equity fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was mostly beer. I think we shared one screwdriver and one paintbrush between yes. us. And, <laughs> and uh, but you know, we, it was, a, we were able to get into a house. We ended up making a lot of money on it. A lot of money for, for young kids who had no money. I mean, it was life changing for me when we sold that property. Um, yeah, but it was fun. That's right. It was it was mostly fun. Killer time. And we were blessed yeah. to make some money uh, on that. And it, it helped fire up my passion for real estate. But that's a cool hack. That's not really an equity fund, but I wanted to throw it out there because it was kind of related. So what you, you don't mind, yep. I have a question for you guys. Yeah, yeah, shoot. So did you both start in like commercial real estate or was it more residential or how'd you get your start in the industry? And the reason I'm asking, because I have my audience and that is what they ask all the time. How can I get started in real estate? Our story. And if you got a, just a tidbit nugget of one way to look at it, how would you, how would you educate someone who's 21, 22 years old? 
well, needs to get the industry right now. Before I we tell you our stories, we we created a course and it's coming out next week that really is Perfect. going to help people. We we I we hate we hate this education stuff people are out there selling. We're we're like anti guru, anti education garbage. But we put our forty five plus years of combined experience into this passion project. And it's a it I re, we really believe it will help anyone get started in real estate. Like genuinely we believe we give all of our knowledge, our mm-hmm. experience in it, and it's long and we give spreadsheets and and uh, worksheets and but but it's also simple to understand. We took a page out of your book and tried to keep it simple at the same time. So that's a great way to start. But our starts were very uh, similar in some ways and different. And I, th- I think Clint tells these stories better than I do. Well, I mean, I always knew that I had like, uh, you know, a heart for real estate and I don't know why I just was always kind of drawn, drawn to it. But, you know, my start, you know, after, after I graduated from Indiana university, I had a, a sales job with an office supply company and, uh, there was a huge foreclosure boom across the country really, but you know, a, a massive one here in the Midwest, um, and I was buying foreclosures and fixing them up and flipping them. And um, I was young and naive and thought that that's how, you know, real estate worked. And I was going to be retired by the time I was 30. And, um, but then the, uh, you know, the Great Recession, you know, came about and, you know, our, our for sale signs got switched out with for rent signs. Um, and that's literally how I got into property management. You know, Scotty's was a little different where, you know, he was, um, you know, big at the local sheriff sale auctions and, you know, building a portfolio portfolio of real estate. And, you know, I, I think the, the, the similarities, you know, that Scotty and I had, you know, is that we both wanted, you know, something better and we were both drawn to real estate and what it could provide. So, you know, Scott says it all the time that, you know, the, the biggest step is, you know, just doing it. And, you know, education is a great piece of it because, you know, education is a lot different now. You know, you, you could have access to the Homeboys education course, you know, within seconds, whenever Scotty and I uh, were getting out of college, you had to go sit in a room somewhere to be able to, to, to get your, you know, your, your education. Or do it yourself the way right. we did. I mean, I started going to, to the courthouses in college and using my student loan money to buy tax liens and just learning and I would I'd go in there and say oh shucks I'm just a kid I don't know what I'm doing somebody teach me and I got in with you know people who were successful at it and then in our in our city in Indianapolis it's there's only a handful of real investors that have been around for a long time that are successful and we're all we're all pretty good friends including Clint and I were so we were friendly competitors you know when we were in our 20s and young and um, you know we've been together for a really long time now because we both believe in the power of holding real estate. So we're real conservative when it comes to real estate. So we both got our start actually to, you know, to answer your question directly. No, we didn't get started in commercial real estate. We were, we were single family residential investors, you know, uh, primarily broke um, two broke young guys who had correct. no money, correct. no money. We, neither of us came from any money. So like, but then, you know, after, after being, you know, single family, uh, you know, the homeboys, you know, for as long as we were, I mean, we learned a lot over those years and that did lead to, um, you know, commercial developments. You know, we still invest in single family, um, but we have, um, you know, 135 unit townhome under construction right now. We've got 25 duplexes, 
under construction in southern Indiana. We've got another uh, multifamily project just north of us uh, in central Indiana, you know, going up. But that, you know, I always, I always, you know, tell people, you know, you don't want your 10th deal to be a, a $28 million multifamily, you know, project, uh, de- you know, uh, development that, sh- that you're getting into. That's something that you really got to get to know the business, you know, a little bit and get and, and, and learn. Yeah. Start small, but at our core, just, I'm, I feel like I've talked forever, but, but at, it, at our core, we believe that the power of real estate is to hold it because I'm going to break this down real simple. You already know this, but I'm going to break it down the way you do, which is you make money in multiple ways by holding real estate. So the tenant pays your mortgage down for you, which is amazing. You know, those rents come in every month, you use it to pay down your mortgage. So um, you're making money that way. Appreciation happens. Now appreciation's not guaranteed, but you know, if you bake in 40%, not 40, 4% appreciation, a $100,000 house in 10 years is worth like $160,000. So you're making a ton of money on appreciation, even at small appreciation rates over long periods. Plus you're making rental profit every month and your mortgage stays the same, but the rent goes up. So each year you're making more and more and more and it just snowballs when you add all those three. So we're real conservative with real estate. We believe in the buying and holding of real estate, but we also understand to get started. Sometimes you got to flip some houses and wholesale and whatever you got to do to get in there and learn. We understand those things, but at our core, we believe in building generational wealth through the power of holding real estate. And we believe that it's anyone can do it. I genuinely believe anyone can do it. And that sets people off sometimes, but anyone can do it. It's hard to get started. You're a, you, you, you're obviously a go-getter in life. You understand how that works in life. Action creates success. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your honesty because this is something that we're interested in. um, Everyone hears it and thinks, oh, you know, in five years, I'll be a millionaire. And you, said it like hold it you don't buy it to get rid of it soon if, it, if the right deal comes across your table great but the uh the value is actually buying something with the intent of holding it and thinking long term keep your yeah. job keep your job and buy some real estate as an investment on the side and build <laughs> that's it. i'm not i'm glad you yet. said that <laughs> keep your darn job and if, if you wanted to get into real estate full-time you can do it and you could be, have success but we're so conservative why quit your job if you're happy with it? And then you can build millions and millions of dollars of wealth because you can leverage so much easier because you're employed. And because there's companies like ours all over these turnkey companies, you don't have to do any of the work. You know, they do it for you. There's Jacksonville, Florida. If you want, you want investment properties in Jacksonville, Florida, we got a guy for you down there. He's perfect. You know, he, he buys houses, he fixes up, then he sells them to you all fixed up with a warranty. They're rented cash flowing and he manages them for you. You just get the benefits of all that. So there's this whole industry out there called turnkey real estate where you can, you can keep your job and build wealth. You know, that's technology for you. That didn't exist. I think we got another question. Bryce, you got another question. Jacob asks, what's the first step to be a millionaire as a teenager? Well, first of all, I love that question. Um, Love that question. Um, You know, I don't think it's ever too early to put a plan together. Well, first of all, he, he, he already did step one. He's asking. Correct. Good call. Um, But you know, putting a, putting a financial plan together, no matter how big or how small um, it is, you know, putting a savings plan 
um, together. And, uh, you know, just like we spoke about earlier, you know, invest in yourself. You know, the, what'd you say? Hey, the, uh, the, SME 500, <laughs> you know, I, I love that. So, you know, you're at an age where you can, you know, be a sponge, you know, learn from people that ha- have done it. I would caution you, be careful who you learn from though. There's, there's a lot of really, really, really bad and dangerous advice that you'll see on social media and other places and other real estate courses, you know, for that matter. And generally, you can spot that a mile away. If someone says that you're going to be a millionaire overnight, if their answer to your question is, you know, um, you, know you could do this, you know, really quickly, that's not really truthful. But if you put a plan together, you know, as a teenager that, you know, you're going to save up, you know, so much money and you're going to get your first house, uh, you know, by the time you're 19 years old or just, you know, whatever that is. I mean, you would be so far ahead of the game. Or, you know, if you went to um, your, your uh, you know, a parent or legal guardian and said, hey, I want to start investing in um, a stock account or, you know, some sort of investment, I think that's a great uh, that's a great way, but learning as much as you can and then putting a plan together for savings, you're going to be way ahead of the game. And once you see that power of savings, you're going to get even more excited. Once you see compounding of money, the the idea of compounding of money is it, it's going to fire you up even more. And like, like Clint said, talk to your uh, guardian or, or your parent. And, you know, there's apps like Acorns and Fidelity even has an app, these low fee uh, places where you can start and start by saving, I don't know, $5 a, a week on those. And, you know, get a, you know, now that you're old enough to work, you know, you start putting that money away. You were so, you're already so far ahead, but those are some other things that you can do to give it even further ahead. But you're asking yeah. the right questions. You're going to blow them away. Absolutely. And I like to add some to it, Jacob. Um, I think it's Bill Gates. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's Bill Gates who says we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in a decade. So um, I'm not sure how old you are right now. Love that. So maybe you're, you're 18. So you got like a year to, to try to make a million. I don't know the situation. <laughs> and you can do it. It's very possible. Um, but if I were you, I would also be thinking about the decade plan on how I'm going to do it over the next 10 years. And you'd be surprised at how much you can get accomplished and how much sooner it'll be if you're thinking long-term because most people get in these industries because they hear the money and they see that you can get rich quick. Um, but the, the mindset is I'm getting in to learn lifelong skills that are going to pay me forever. So, um, like they said, one, start saving five bucks a day because you have to start being faithful over a few things. You have to start basics. And if you continue to do that, and then the seven bucks a week, then it's 10 bucks a week and 15, that compounds and uh, invest in skills. So skills is what pays the bills to so learn real estate, get your property, get a license, get an insurance, get in sales, marketing, something like that. Um, but working a job, there's not a lot of jobs that pay a million dollar salary. So you got to figure out how can I create skills that people want this or they need this thing and uh, find a way that you can deliver it to the marketplace via social media, um, it could be ads. It could, I mean, there's millions of ways to get it in front of people. Um, just make sure that you have something to offer. You feel like you're looking in a mirror. That's right. Well said. Sorry, huh? I didn't mean to interrupt. It's 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 like Clint's looking in it a is. mirror. I, I honestly, I believe Clint has said the what you just said word for word multiple times. Correct, time I mean, and time again. Yeah, it's you guys hit it early with the holding because that was the perfect analogy. Um, even in entrepreneurship, you got to hold, like, grab a skill, grab a license, and hold it. Yeah, I mean, do something with it, but like. Just because you got a real estate license doesn't mean that everybody who wants a house is coming to knock at your door yet. 
but hold on to it. Be consistent. Understand it's a lifelong game, and you know eventually. It appreciates over time. And think about uh, that that compounding at a young age. You know, he's 18 years old. And, you know, anyone watching that doesn't know what compounding is, it's basically your money earning you money. And then the money that you invested plus the money you earned earns you money. And then the money that you earned earns you money. And the money that earned, Mm -hmm. earned, and it just snowballs. And one of the most important factors in the growing of that money is time. And, um, and compounding can be applied to lots of different things, real estate, whole life, um, you know, term, invest the rest, all of that. So it's just as a concept, once you feel that power, especially at the age of 18 and you see your money starting to grow and what it can grow to, we have a savings calculator on homeboyspodcast.com and it's the most basic savings calculator for a reason. It's real simple. You put it, your business partner can't handle anything else. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's because it's the, it's the right way to show it. So I, I, I really encourage you, if you're interested at that age and already starting to understand the power of savings, the power of building wealth, go on there and just see what, you know, $20 a month will, will gain you. If you start saving $20 a month at age 18 and until you're 65, it, I think it's going to blow you away how much money you're. I used to say $20. I know. But, but he's 18. I understand. But, but now... You know, I've got, I'm pretty old for having young kids and we get babysitters all the time and I I see what babysitters are making these days. It blows my mind. Like, you know, it's a a night out for my wife is a hundred dollars more expensive than anything that we're doing because we're paying, we're paying babysitters. So I would challenge you for it not to be $20. I think you could, I think that there's a lot of ways out there that you could make that $50 or even a hundred dollars. If you put that hundred dollars into that savings calculator and look like you know, what it would grow to if you did that, uh, you know, over uh, a 25, 30 year time period, it would blow, it will blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't mind me to elaborate on compound interest, please. Um, this is how John was, it's not, I explain it sometimes it's, it's things grow naturally. So, um, you are a teenager, so you probably take in basic math. So two plus two, you learn to add and subtract. And then a couple of years later, you add multiplication division. It's essentially the same thing. It's just a different skill set. It's addition um, quicker. <laughs> and from there, you learn algebra, where you start taking certain numbers out and variables and putting equations in, and calculus and this and that. But all of that still stems from two plus two. And that's what compound is. It's like you don't realize all these things that you're learning along the way. But when you look back, you're like, man, I started here, but now I have all of this. And that's the same thing that money does. If you just keep saving, the $2 goes to two more, but it begins to compound. And you will see that there's much more than just two bucks that you added. It's, it's, it's multiplied several times over. And that's the way to look at it. But it, it's a process and nobody wants to start the process. That's the hard part. Yeah. Because that after day one, you're just looking at $2. And you're like, oh, this is nothing. But it's day seven, day 10, year two, year five, that when it starts to get a little bit more attractive and you're like, I'm glad I did this. So you're looking ahead where you are right now. Yeah, I made my kids set up Acorns accounts when they were 16 and just five, it was $5 a week is what I had them set up because I wanted them to build the habits first. For me, it wasn't about the money with them. It was about building the habits, just simply building the habits where no matter what, that goes in first. You pay yourself first. That's your first bill before any other bills. I don't care if your electricity gets shut off. I'm paying myself that five bucks. And so, you know, those habits are, are super important. 
So did you, sorry, did we have another question? No. Okay. Yeah. So I, I love listening to you talk about the, the passion you have for all things investing. And I can't wait to see more of your stuff out there because I genuinely enjoy watching your TikToks and learning it. I, I, I told my wife, I shouldn't even say this, but I told my wife last night, I said, it makes me feel dumb that like some of these things I've had, I've watched, I've been like, they've been light bulb moments, you know, it's with you breaking <laughs> it down beautiful. with like, uh, you know, Legos. And I'm like, Oh, I never even thought of it. You know, it's like things that, yeah, I just never thought of it. And we went to one of the best business schools in the nation, studied economics and finance and accounting, and then we're watching your TikToks and going, "Oh, that's the that's hey, how it works, man. It's relatable. <laughs> that's how it works." So it's all about application. Uh, yeah. I think we all get it. It's just having you know seeing a real life scenario that that connects the dots, and uh, that's what I try to do. I just try to make it real and show people how it how it work in the real world and. I don't know. I, it was a joke, honestly, uh, to start off, but it, it's taken off well. And oh, we love it. I thank God that I did it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, copying someone is the greatest form of flattery in a way. And, and we've decided we ordered some like some simple uh, little things to use and we're going to try to apply it to real estate, you know, our expertise. And, um, and we hope that that helps us connect with some of the folks who want to know how to get started because um, the way that you break it down, it's, it's, we're, we think it's really neat and we're going to, we're going to use a little bit of it, you know, as long as it's not offensive to you. And, um, I think that our, our listeners have really enjoyed the way that we can break it down even more simply the way you have. So you've been an inspiration to us and, and we really appreciate you coming on like this. Absolutely. It's a passion project for me as well. So if you guys need help with it, please let me know. I would love to chip in. Like I said, the, the biggest, the, the most questions I get are real estate related. So, um, if whatever you guys need, let me know. I'd love to be a part of it because my audience, I know for a fact, this is what they're wanting. And uh, I need more experts in that specific field well, <laughs> to we, help them out. We'll, so, co we'll come I, down I'm to, for it. we'll come down to Houston sometime and we'll do, we'll do some stuff together live. We'll, be we'll awesome. do some, yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, Likewise. And my wife was actually planning a trip to Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was this month or next month. So if you're here, I'll let you guys got to hit us up. You have to, you got to come by if you're here. And, and one thing that we're really good at, if you can tell by our shape is that we are really good at eating, really good at eating. <laughs> and we're really good at feeding people yeah. too. We'll, we'll take you on a food tour of the, of the town. You'll love it. You'll eat right. Yes, sir. That's my favorite thing to do. Oh, good. All right. You're in good company then. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that takes our time for uh, for our, our live edition. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Yes, sir. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing what we can do to help some people. I love it. I love it. Us too. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good rest of your afternoon. You too. You too.